0: Three, two, one. Live from Miami, at your service and podcast nude is back with another panel between an artist and an art critic and curator, and we're here to talk critique as collaboration. When I asked two previous podcast node guests, both painter Jordan Castile and former gallery director Sarah Hoover, who I need to sit down with in Miami, they both enthusiastically responded with the same name, Franklin Sermons. Franklin Sermons is an art critic, a writer, a curator, and he's also the director of one of the coolest art museums in the country, Miami's Perez Art Museum, also known as Pam. And since this storytelling session would be taking place at Pam, I asked Franklin if he would be down to be in conversation with one of the artists showing at the museum, someone he thinks would be great for our podcast node listeners. He responded without hesitation: "Jason, Safe." Jason Safe is an interdisciplinary Miami-based artist effortlessly weaving his beloved Cuban and Syrian heritage into the intersection of fine arts and graphic design. He's worked with some of the largest names in the music business, including Kanye West, Pharrell Williams, Big Sean, and Nicki Minaj, designing everything from album artwork to jewelry to merch. In his latest body of work, a show titled Coming to Fruition, Jason references old Persian carpets centering his Middle Eastern heritage and the intricate details found in mosques and traditional Islamic art. Coming to fruition is Jason's first solo exhibition in the United States, and this conversation finally brought Jason and Franklin together for the first time in this way to reflect on their collaborative endeavor. We recorded this conversation weeks before Jason's show came to life. But like his show name states, this conversation brings us into the journey of Jason's coming to fruition at PAM. Be sure to catch Jason's exhibition before March 2024. And I know you will enjoy this conversation between artist and curator on critique as collaboration and so much more. Wow. Wow. We made it to Miami. This, um, this conversation, this interview is so special because Franklin, we shared with you that one of my best friends, Jordan Castile is the one who like, when I asked her, I was like, who do I need to talk to in Miami? Um, you were the name that, that came to mind. And I, I just like started doing a deep dive into your work and and the way that you show up and the way that you are of service to, not only the community here, but like the art community at large is so beautiful and profound. And so I really love this idea of just kind of having a push and pull between having a conversation with like a director, curator, art critic, and the artist himself. And so we love that you, and so when we asked you, who do you think would be best for this? Jason Safe's name is what came to mind and it it just felt so perfect and Jason you are a Syrian Cuban artist who's based here in Miami who does different mediums but painting is your forte and you're actually preparing for a show that's going to be here at the Perez Art Museum in Miami. In May, so we're we're celebrating that process for you. And so the way we kick off our conversations is by asking, "How is your heart?" So I want to ask you that first, Franklin, and then Jason, take it over, and let's get started.
1: Um, it's strong right now. It's uh, beautiful to be in conversation with you, and the breadth of what you talk about, as far as your relationship to media and your relationship to, I guess culture is super interesting to me so immediately when i figured that out and and then the jordan connection is just too good so really happy to be here i mean jordan is uh, we had jordan here three weeks ago or something like that and she just kind of brought when you talk about heart she brought all of her heart to to the experience and and of course i thought of jason immediately because in many ways miami but in many ways, not Miami. Mm. Right? So the last place we saw each other was actually at an art fair in Dubai yeah. and knowing the exhibition is coming up. And one of the things that I've been trying to feel my way through, actually, in the press releases, Jason has this really interesting relationship to the past in terms of where the, the foundation of the subject matter often comes from in his art but super in the present in ways that I can't even really articulate because I'm not as versed in web three as I should be, or mm. even just in new technology. So mm. it just made it perfect and to be with you. So thank you. And
0: thank you, Franklin Jason.
1: I mean, I feel
2: you asked me how's my heart. I mean, it feels extra, extra great right now having this conversation with two people that I, um, am a fan equally two people that I'm equally a fan of, um, you know, Franklin we've, Learned, we've spoken so much, but we haven't sat down in a conversation like this. So I'm excited about that, um, nor specifically. I mean, I've you know, been following your work for some time now. So to hear that you were interested in having a conversation with myself and Franklin was um, such a, a blessing for me to be able to to speak about um, more specifically on your question. I think like where is my heart? I think it's such an important time right now. I'm in like the fourth quarter of this exhibition that I've been working on for well over a year. And I think, you know, the heart quite literally is a muscle. And and sometimes we put it through stress. And I think that I've learned through time. One of the things that helps me get through those rougher patches or when I'm feeling kind of high anxiety or stress is knowing that there will be this phase after where I'll be able to recuperate from this and come back stronger. Right. So I, I kind of do look at it, quite frankly, like a muscle that I'm working out. And whenever I'm going through. Whether it's in mm. in work or in relationships or in, or in family life or something that I'm going through a rough patch or a patch where I'm like kind of high intensity, I kind of keep that. I, I try to zoom out and look at the bigger picture and understand that okay, this is happening, and I'll be able to get stronger from this and be able to enjoy these kind of different lulls that happen within my life, whether it be in work or or in personal aspects. Right. Um, so right now it it feels full. It feels amazing, but preparing myself for kind of what's to come and and what I have left to finish. Um, so that Franklin's happy with what I have to show from him, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's such a great supporter. So it's, it's, it's I, I know he will be happy with whatever I come up with, but.
0: Well, I I'm love it because, it. um, I want to, I want to like touch on the heart thing because you, you described it so beautifully and people answer that question differently every time. And that's why I love asking it. Mm-hmm. But it was funny because my 12 year old brother was helping me prepare for this interview and he asked me to ask you guys to introduce each other. And when I asked you how your heart was, you literally gave a beautiful yeah. introduction introduction. introduction for Jason and then Jason, you beautifully... And I
2: actually spoke about my heart. How rude of me now? I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. no. Because
0: you, you, I mean, you spoke about your heart and the support of Franklin. I mean, how would you introduce Franklin in Um, this capacity?
2: I'm fanboying for Franklin, right? Because it's like, (laughs) he's such a, there's nobody that I speak to about the exhibition that isn't like, oh, that Franklin's me. Like, you know what I mean? Franklin is so well known and and like, we just ran into each other in Dubai, not knowing that we're both there. And I had just, the first thing I told him was like, I was just talking about you to someone. I didn't know he was there, but I was talking to um, Sunny, who's a director at a, at a gallery in Dubai, and, and I was telling her about the show, and she's like, "Oh, I love Franklin. Like he's so um, he's so admired for what he does, and to be able to be in a position where we can work together in an equal admire admire. I don't know the exact word, but mm-hmm. it's so great to meet people that, that that you look up to and that you respect, and to be able to have. A relationship where you can work together, where it's not just me being like, "I love what you do; that's so great," and then yeah. move on. Right? It's such a, a driving force in my work to be able to collaborate and and learn more about Franklin and have him learn more about my work outside of just the peripheral of the art world and mm-hmm. and the understanding of, of of what the museum is and, and how important him being the director of it is. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if I even answered your question fully there, but yeah, it's it's I'm just like honored to, to be able to have people care about me that i care about in 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 that light so yeah. it's, it's really cool
0: i love that you said care about me because we, you know that people admire your work but i love that it's very clear here that we are all very aware of the human behind the art And I think that that's really important because you bring up the word. There's two things, the way that you talked about strengthening your heart as a muscle and the way that you talk about collaboration. And both of you are very passionate about this concept of collaboration, but I feel like what I see here is almost a collaboration of the hearts of understanding that we are here to be of service, to do something that is greater than us. And I think Franklin, you've been able to do that so beautifully with this museum and you can feel it in every corner of it. And so I would love to check in with you all about what, how you feel about the term collaboration now and the way that you see most people approach it and the way that that's helped you hone how you personally approach it. Because I think that the term collaboration and the concept of collaboration is tossed around a lot. But in, in the most literal sense, a collaboration is one that transcends just yeah. like a logo plus a logo.
2: Sure. I, I mean, I'll just. Please. give you two cents on and would love to hear Franklin's take. I think the, the best collaborations are the ones that come organically, the ones that kind of just formulate in a conversation and without the, the term of coming together to push a certain product or push a certain idea. Um, I think every I've been in different sorts of, of the term collaboration, like you said, it's used in a lot of different um, means. And, and sometimes it kind of like the more it's used, the the more watered, watered down it it. it becomes. And I feel like my approach is always just working with people who inspire me and, and kind of having that approach. And then if it becomes, if it falls into the term of a collaboration, if it falls into the term of maybe I'm a fan of Franklin, what he does, and he's able to put me in contact with someone who can work a little bit better with me directly than I could with him on a certain project, mm. right? That idea of collaboration as to one-on-one can look like a lot of different things, whether it's just, Being a connector and putting people together in in the right um, circumstances or in just actually collaborating. I personally love to just be around people that inspire me and kind of take in as much as I can while I'm in their presence. Mm. And to me, that's collaborative, even if it's not like, hey, we worked on this and this thing. And sometimes I'll have a more genuine, organic inspiration for a project or for my life in general from those interactions than I would on something that I specifically sat down with a certain person or branch or whatever to collaborate on a product or, or artwork or whatever that is. So I, yeah, I mean, I think that that's my approach to it is just kind of organically. If I'm interested in something, obviously this conversation right now is a collaboration, right? We're, we're speaking on certain aspects together and yeah, my take on it is I was just kind of, what makes sense or what feels right. And then,
1: you know, that term kind of coming second to that, but well,
2: well said, <laughs>
1: thank, you. thank you. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's interesting from the context of, um, I think about the word curate, right. Cause you know, to take care of the art, we don't necessarily put the person in that conversation all the time. And so Maritza Lacayo, who's working on the exhibition with Jason, they have a certain incredible collaborative process. Mm. And I know from and you can hear it in in the way that Jason speaks about his relationship to working with other people as an artist. But I know that curator specifically really well. And that's the way that she goes about the process always. Mm -hmm. So I come from that that place where it is we work in contemporary, we work in the moment, we work with artists, and that is often the overwhelming kind of gist of partnership or of collaboration. It's not just about the art given. Um, I also feel like in this moment, I find myself prefacing the word collaboration with meaningful a lot more often than I perhaps would have some time ago in recognition of what Jason mentioned in terms of The frequency with which we hear the word, too. I think there is collaboration, there is partnership, and um, at the end of the day, is it is it meaningful? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm just trying to get to. Um, I don't know. I feel I feel like there is a. I feel like there is a lot of. It's almost like the word community in the moment, right? We use it a lot. We sometimes don't think about the depth of 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 what that could mean and Mm -hmm. I think collaboration at least puts us in the space of of where we should be
0: Mm. well when was the first time you ever felt properly represented in media properly represented I still don't feel properly represented hey I'm Noor Tagore and I've been telling stories my entire life. For my new podcast rep, I've spent years examining a more personal story about how the misrepresentation of Muslims and media has impacted American society. I thought I knew the story because I thought I knew my story. But the more I looked for singular, clear answers, the more questions I had. Our story guides include academics, artists, actors, And we bounce around through American history and culture, witness our present and future unfold, and then we find out how these stories affect all of us. Welcome to Rep. Expression is a space in the heart that is unleashed and let free. It runs wild. Listen to Rep on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. I want to zoom out a little bit because I I appreciate you establishing that. And so you you had mentioned collaboration in relationship to curation, but also one of the things that you do and that you've done is critique. And um, my teammate Adam mentioned earlier that, you know, when an artist creates a piece of art, it's often critiquing something in the world, a message in the world, there's something that's behind it. And so how do you approach critiquing a body of work that is also critiquing something that's happening in society? Like I I often, you know, almost have a hard time reading when people criticize art in a way that like is very specific to the technicality or the color. Sometimes I'm just like, well, maybe it just wasn't for you, but it's Hmm. so clear that somebody is literally poured their heart and soul into this and so and, and and oftentimes I think even today we see how that can you know impact the artists directly so how do you carry that responsibility or how do you hope that people will
1: this this is why I think I gravitated towards contemporaries because there is that collaborative process, because it is about that sort of relationship. Um, the idea of critique is, is is collaborative. The idea of critique is that's what takes us to the next level. Um, that's what
0: mm. allows for
1: us to get the most out of it. If we, you know, like like, like working in the museum, so I get to work with um, I don't know, almost 200 people, if if we're fully open and we're talking about all of the contracted people that make this place go. Mm-hmm. And, and there are meaningful ways in which we interact all across the board. Granted, when I'm working with a curator and an artist, it's even more emphasized. But I think what we're trying to do, and this is where it goes back to, I guess, words like collaboration are about elevating a discourse or about doing something that is helpful for not only oneself, but others. And the only way to get there is to, 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 to criticize a little bit is to, I think have an open and healthy conversation where ideas are shared. And, and, and we learn from that. I mean, that's, to me, that's the only reason why to work in a museum in the space of it in a kind of historical sense is that, it's one of the few places, especially here in Miami, where, where, where we come together, right? There's no, there's, well, there is mass public transportation, but it's not quite the same. It only, for better or worse, it doesn't affect everyone. Right. Parks, even as places of communal gathering, I'd say is still somewhat nascent. So the museum can fill this role as being a place where different people can come together and experience each other. And the only way we create a better space for that is to have a diversity of opinion, which is is, is the essence of of collaboration in some way and critique.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, Jason, do you have like when you are receiving critique, do you have a list of questions or things that it has to go through before you internalize it so that you know it's coming from the right place?
2: Yeah, I mean. Ideally, I would, right? But I feel like uh, as I'm still a human at the end of the day, and and my work is very personal to me, and it, and it takes a long time. And that doesn't mean that it's more important than a work that didn't, but because of the fact that it takes a long time, I spend a lot of time with it. So it, off of that alone, it becomes a little bit more hard to let go of or hard to put it out into the world and have yeah. it be perceived as something that maybe I didn't intend for it to be perceived. But I think Franklin made a great point because we are I don't know if you even meant to make this in, in, in the way that you structured the two questions, but we spoke about collaboration and community. And I think that critique is really in line with that because that's one of the, the most important aspects of a good collaboration is to be able to receive feedback from someone yeah. and be able to channel it in a way that's positive, right? Sometimes Certain art critics or, or critics in general can come from a place of of if it 's a work that 's kind of too well known or, or it 's accepted too much they 're going to come from a place of okay why don 't I like this because mm-hmm. it 's so well it 's so well accepted mm-hmm. um, and then there's other critiques who come from a place of of, of real genuine um, interest in the work and see the potential in it but see where the artist is failing so I specifically I had a really It wasn't a critique, but it was a a long kind of almost therapy session with um, a writer named Vali Mahaloudji, who's a a British-Iranian curator, and he wrote at length about uh, a recent exhibition I did, and we really had these like two to three hour Zoom meetings over a course of, of three different weeks, um, where we really spoke about the work and, and him kind of questioning me on certain aspects of the work made me realize things that I wasn't even realizing in my approach and how I work and, and the materialization and certain aspects of my work, which if I stopped myself or, or kind of, you know, pushed away from, from this kind of questioning. Wow. I would have never opened myself up to it, right? So that is collaboration in its purest form, and I think that critiques are very important for us as an artist to be able to like mm-hmm. shed this ego that we have because we make our work so important to us, and be able to see it from another person's lens, but again, there has to be that respect. Because yeah. if I don't respect your opinion yeah. or, or your work, then it's gonna yeah. be a lot easier for me to hear something I don't like and be like, oh, it's just because of so-and-so. Right. Or this yeah. Thing. So it's, it's, it's a two-part, aspect of, of, of you know the critique and the artist being except the uh, you know open to it I think it, it comes from that
1: yes yes you just you remind me of, of to keep it in the in that arena I mean you remind me of um, you know trying to trying to come into one's own and to find one's own voice um, very early in my career I uh, worked as primarily as a writer and as a critic and 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 I remember very distinctly now that you talk about this this relationship um criticizing the work of two artists who I just admire the heck out of um and and for a moment walking around like kind of scared like didn't want to see them you know like I published this little piece (laughs) that was highly critical of the work and and I'm just so happy to say like at this point one of them is my best friend and the other one is like an artist who's in the collection here and it's and it it allowed for us to then have a relationship that was so much deeper and so much more meaningful because of what you just said Mm. I had an opinion they respected the opinion it was based off of foundation that that involved um Mm. some rigor right it was not baseless just talking it had ideas behind it and so it created a a space for an ongoing commitment to each other as human beings um Mm -hmm. that that came out of that experience and i never really thought about that until you
2: it comes from that what i talked about before which is that place of caring right yeah like you cared about them as people and you cared about them in their work and that's why they they were, you know, uh, open to it, and and were able to to take that. Like my first critic was my mom. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> growing up, I would I would I'd make a drawing or something, and she would she would see it. And I used to always do this thing where I would like I would like to draw at night. So at this point, I'm like in elementary school. but I fell in love with art at a really young age, and I, it was just like portraiture or something, like doing a, a drawing of my grandmother or someone. And then I would leave it in like for instance, like in the, in the table or something in the living room, like for her to see the next morning before she'd go to work. And then she would give me like, Oh, it's good. But why is, you know, why why does it look a little bit cross-eyed or why is this? And I would take it so like, I'd be so frustrated at that moment, (laughs) but I would make the change and it would look so much better. Right. So it's like, and and this is like a very basic version of critique, right? But it's also as a child, she's taking
0: your work seriously and she's actually giving you feedback. I feel like that's so important because then I mean, eventually, like you even having this memory all these years later, you know yeah. it was loving. You know it was because well, it was coming she still
2: tries to do it to this day. But, <laughs> awesome. but no. Why, but now it's like a little bit harder. Why are the in this, this yeah, yeah. she try to find cross-eyed. something. But she just <laughs> like, oh, is it supposed to be like the... Comp- it's a little bit leaning on this. She'll try, she'll like jokingly do it now because it's like, it was such a known thing. Um, but it, it, it made me, from a very young age, understand that someone's it's important to see your work from another yeah. from another set of eyes right like whether it 's music whether it 's whatever, sometimes you need to step away from it and kind of look at it again with with new you know with a with a fresher um, set of eyes or ears or whatever, and he, being able to have someone else look at something you're working on and give you their opinion on it or where they see it can be sh- stronger or, or changed is important in, in no matter what way we're, we're looking at that, whether it 's yeah. something as basic as uh, a parent who's telling you what, yeah. what can be better or, uh, someone as, as, as esteemed as Franklin, you know, it's, I
0: mean, I love this idea of critique as collaboration yeah. because it, it's, I don't think that you usually see those two concepts put together, but I think as a foundation in the way that we receive art, like with the, like I said earlier in the question, the responsibility of it, mm-hmm. because I think that right. like, even the way that you all are talking about it, it's still a form of kindness. It's still from a loving place. It's not to tear someone down. And so like, and I think that, you know, when you get enough critique, you know, you can feel, you can sense when it's coming from a place of like somebody just trying to hurt you or just trying to attack you or whatever happens on the internet and someone who who is actually yearning to connect further with the body of work that you've presented and wants to like, wants to ask you questions or wants to share something with you. The fact that you had three conversations with the, the art critic who was like talking about your work and you were constantly like, they were coming back to you with questions. I mean, to me, that feels like the approach that we, that it's kind of like, When people write a review of an album, like moments after it comes out and you haven't even been able to sit with the music, you haven't been able to like study the lyrics, you haven't been able to see how it feels when you're listening to it in the car versus when you're listening to it at home. So there is this um, deep level intentionality. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, I feel like that's a very fresh take. Jason, I would love to know what is a question you are asking yourself these days?
2: Hmm. A lot of questions, um <laughs> I think right now at where I am in my life in in context of that, and I refer to the exhibition a lot, but because it's such a large part of my life I and know. such a large part of the last year and a half of my life um I look at at where what does internal happiness look like, and I don't even know if that's like a phrase that that makes sense, but the way I kind of define it with me is what does happiness look like or, or satisfaction look like outside of my work, outside of my personal life, outside of, um, friendships, relationships, like how do I find that sense of being in in a kind of, in a way to keep it, what's the word, um, for people that are listening, I'm, I'm, Doing like a a sign of like a meeting, like a steady. It, it looks
0: like an equilibrium. Yeah, trying like a to steady,
2: draw. a steady path of that. Because my life is very much like working towards an exhibition, and then there's that there's that moment where I'm like, it's all that's coming to fruition. Quite literally, the name of the exhibition is coming to fruition, um, and then there's like that there's that that exhale after where it's done and and i try to force myself to enjoy it but the way i'm wired i'm always think working towards the next exhibition or the next project or the next thing that i have that Mm. i'm excited to 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 work on and i think as i'm getting older and i'm being I'm, i'm fortunate to be able to cross all these like bucket list things off of 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 my you know bucket list quite literally this was when i was a kid i went on a field trip to what was then the miami art museum which was this museum in a different space um that was my first time in a museum and there was in a a magnet school for art that i went to and i fell in love with art and i just dreamt of having my work in a museum because it just felt so it felt larger than me so to be able to have this happening is just so amazing but it's like okay just my, the way I'm wired, it's like the negative is like, I cross this off, not what else do I want to do, right? There's a million things that I want to do, but the question I'm asking myself back to the actual question is how do I remove myself from these things and how do I find that kind of sense of validation and things that are, that are internal and they're not from my work or from this type of stuff. And, and it's, it's a tough question to ask, but it's an important question to ask. I feel like kind of envelopes where we're talking about whether it's a review or something we live in this this world where everything is so fast paced and there's this instant gratification of posting a photo posting this and and having certain people react to it and then you you get that and then it's like okay what's the next thing that I'm going to do and just kind of forcing myself to look internally and, and understand that I'm more than my work I'm more than these other parts of me and the more in touch and in tune I am with that the better mm-hmm. everything else will be, I feel like. Whether it's the work I'm putting out, whether it's the relationship, whether it's a friendship, all these different aspects. Um,
0: mm. Can I share what, that, what like, comes to me I as would you love say you that? To, yeah. So it's interesting because something that um, I do a lot in my own like investigative work, but also I, I've seen that you do as well and that I believe is going to be potentially a part of coming to fruition is like your process being the product as well. And so and we're very much like our approach to journalism is like full transparency, telling people like how we met this person, how we talk to them, what we're thinking when we make mistakes, how we're like. So the process ends up being a part of the work. And sometimes it's it's hard because like um, even when I hear you ask that question, I wonder if some of of the answer lies within how to be like super in your body during the process and recognizing that even though the process is product as well, it's still like the process because you put so much of your like soul into your work. Your work is literally directly tied to your own cultural heritage and your journey with identity and who you are as a person. And so it's just like, for me at least as somebody who has very recently been on a similar journey of coming to fruition, um, I feel like I find that the question that you asked is not one that necessarily has an answer, but gives you space to ask more questions about who you are or, um, or why you feel like you're here, what your purpose is, or when you're like actually engaging with your process, like I don't know. There's sometimes there's this moment I've, I started painting a couple of years ago and it was a way to process the investigation I was doing. It's kind of this like wild journey that I've been on. And so sometimes I'll like look at what I've made and I'll just be like, what is, what is my, like the my deeper self trying to tell me about this moment in time and how does that give me access to the equilibrium that I'm trying to tap into, which is like, to me at least feeling in my body and just feeling like really present because it is so easy to be like, okay, well, what's next? Well, like, I don't know about you, but like when I finish a body of work, I'm processing it for years to come. Like, I'm like, I'm still like having kind of like breakthroughs about what's happening or I'm still asking really big questions. So what is it, what does like being in your body during the process look like for you?
2: I mean, that's, it's so beautiful that that you said that because Maybe it's not a question. Maybe it's a headspace that, that, mm, that I'm in or that it's mm-hmm, important to be mm-hmm. in. But more specifically, and, and I know we're talking about general kind of personal things, but it, it relates so closely to the exhibition as a whole because that, that's the actual, like, whole premise of this exhibition was I'm, I'm showing these paintings in different stages. I'm showing them in, in the, the initial inception or the sketch stage. I'm showing them a little bit. You're seeing them become completed in the actual ex- exhibition space. So it's like, right. that was my approach. And this is that like forcing myself to literally look back at what I'm doing and enjoy that process. Yeah. Because a- as an artist or as a person, I'm so analytical about the things that I do and I'm, and I'm, I have a goal or where I want to be. And then I get to that and it's like, okay, I did that now. What's the next thing? And I didn't, I didn't enjoy this actual aspect. And I'm not looking back at the work that I put into it or forcing myself to, to digest it in the way that you mentioned that, that you look at some of your work sometimes where like I feel like that happens with me subconsciously where I'm thinking about certain things or or sometimes even in an analytical way I'm like oh, I love that idea I wish I would have taken it over here instead but with this exhibition I'm literally that's like the the and I don't know how much you you're were aware of because I don't even know how much I've talked about this publicly, but like, that's the actual approach to it. So it's so beautiful that you were able to kind of like nice. piece that together. I think I can just, know it.
0: I can sense it in another person who's going through that part of the yeah. journey.
2: You're like, this guy's going through it. and no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, no, no. I get it. You mean
0: like this guy is just going through life. Yeah. yeah and sometimes yeah. when like you're going through life out loud, you yeah. can, you can, you can tell. Hi there. Noor here from at your service. At Your Service is a storytelling company. We tell stories as a form of service. And the way I think about it is story first, medium second. Meaning, we don't think, hey, I really want to produce a podcast. What should it be about? No, we think of it as we have a story we want to tell. What is the best medium, the best way to tell it? Maybe it is a podcast. Maybe it's a documentary series, a virtual talk, a speaker series, a dinner party, Maybe it's a book club. The list goes on and on. We also love being of service to companies and brands and nonprofits to help them tell the best story possible so that they can serve their audience and their communities. So if you want to check out more of our work, you can do so at AYS.media. You can also find the transcripts for all our podcast episodes right there. And if you're enjoying this podcast right now, It would mean so much to me if you could leave a review and give us some feedback. Let us know if you like this style of podcast or if you're looking for something else. And of course, if you have any stories you'd like to pitch for us, you can do that through our website as well. As always, at your service. Franklin, yeah. what is the question that you are asking yourself these days?
1: Oof. Oh man, um, these days. I mean, in light of where we are and the things that are happening around us, the question is how how to how to realize the potential of of museums and of being in the museum space, and mm. I mean that in the sense mm-hmm. of. It's one thing to say, yeah, um, I gravitate toward this space because I care about people. I care about the world. I, I, I know from my vantage point that we need things that help us understand each other a little bit better. And I totally believe that artwork like Jason's is a means of f- furthering the conversation, of taking us in a different place, mm-hmm. of, of, of being a catalyst for conversations that would never happen without the artwork Situated between us.
0: Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. And so,
1: that the question now is, and, and it's not new. Museums have dealt with this in the past, but we're we find ourselves at a really interesting inflection point here in Miami, specifically, in Florida, specifically, where ideas around culture and 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 the limits of Open conversations around culture are being tested. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, like very directly, um, very specifically, you know, the other day we had to have a meeting in order to talk about an event that we've done annually, an event around pride that we've done annually, right? Mm-hmm. So in the past, that event has included um drag queens.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yep, yep. So we know. What's happening in Florida? It's a
1: different conversation this year than it was last year. Mm. And so how are we going to deal with that? How are we going to confront that? I think it's a distraction in terms of our higher goals of bringing people together in some ways. Um, a distraction that is by design, of course. Mm. Um, but it's it puts us at an interesting um, crossroads right now. So I'm just trying to ask the question, what can we do as a museum yeah, To not only provide a space for people to come together around great works of art, but also to be a place where some of those conversations are difficult sometimes. Yeah. Not just stimulating, not just opportunities for learning about other people, mm-hmm. learning about the world. But, how can we uh, you know yeah well, I'd love to
0: I would love to probe a little bit about that meeting that you had, and just like, especially because this museum specifically feels, it, it mean it's such an open space, and it's meant to house the work of disruptors. So how did you guys proceed with that conversation?
1: Well, yeah, as you as you mentioned, so we are sitting here in what we call the learning theater <laughs> Um we're, we're, we're surrounded by literally a, a space for people to sit and talk and actually a pause space. We're not actually looking at any paintings or anything directly right now. It's really about this in yes. a way. Yeah, it's an active space. Normally there would be an artist sitting here making artwork. Um, so, so the way that we proceed is just, it's just an open conversation yeah. and letting, bringing together a, a different group of people just to voice opinions, mm-hmm. how you feeling? like literally the way that you started the conversation, how does your heart feel? Mm. That's where we began. Yeah. So it continues from there.
0: Mm. So I like to um, do this thing called, if you really knew me. And you just fill in the blank. If you really knew me, you would know. And I would love for you to share that statement. You can do one, you can do two, you can do three, if any come to your heart. Um, I can start. (laughs) Well, I'll just start it with the if you really knew me statement. So if you really knew me, you would know that the last time I was in Miami with my little 12 year old brother was when I got married here almost (laughs) six years ago and that he's such a huge inspiration to me in this conversation. And if you really knew me, you would know that it feels very, um, true to be here in conversation with, with you two and that I was a little bit nervous. Um, Just because of the time and the, and the fact that this is the first time that we're recording in this way, but I had full trust and that always works out really beautifully. Um, and if you really knew me, you would know that this morning I was feeling really tired and foggy and I didn't know if I was going to feel clear today, but like this conversation almost just immediately cleared up my brain. So I'm very grateful.
2: (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Um, Wow. I feel like I've talked a lot of things that probably make me a bit known to people. I mean, I feel like I've explained some stuff that that kind of show my process outside of just work and mm-hmm. just me as a person. But if you really knew me, you'd know that I'm colorblind. I'm pretty severely colorblind. <laughs> yeah. what? No uh, way. I, so I, whenever I, I wow. mention this to people, I try not to say it that much because there's usually people have like a very specific reaction to what they think that means um so oh, obviously it doesn't I mean that i just so see open. black and gray but i have like from when i was a kid like i my parents thought i just was dumb i didn't know colors because i would just call something like a color that it wasn't mm-hmm. um, but i am pretty severely colorblind and for a large part of my artistic career i was working monochromatically because mm-hmm. i was insecure about it so I would work in black and gray or in, in tones of blue, like I was you know, stuck in Picasso's blue period um, <laughs> unintentionally. And then I realized that I feel like it's a blessing for me because I, mm-hmm. what people see in my work, like the finished painting is very different from what I see in it. Wow. So I have to do, yeah. I have to use pretty drastic color changes to be able to see a s- subtle color. So the way I explain it is like, if you're looking at a color wheel, maybe you'll see orange, orange, yellow, orange, orange, yellow, and I'll just see orange, right? So all that's just blended into one shade mm-hmm. or tone. Um, so I have to be a little bit more extreme in my color changes to be able to see a subtle difference in wow. tone. So right. what I see in the finished product is, is like kind of not too intense, but I always get these compliments on the colors. And early on, I would take photos of the work and then go to Photoshop and switch to black and gray to be able to see some of the, the color changes and be like, okay, this is too intense because I can see it when I, when I flip that. And then now I'm just like, I don't care. I just be I'm able to just kind of lean into it. And I feel like it, it helps. It's like a, it's, it's kind of a, a fun thing that, that I have. Um, yeah, and if you knew me, you know also that I'm my own worst critic. So um, I'm always... So it's not Franklin. It's not, no, Franklin is <laughs> the best. Like Franklin is wonderful. I'm always looking back at what I've done and like, okay, like cool. But what, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm always mm-hmm. looking at it and, and not so much on just technicality, but just on... As I learn more and and I have the beautiful opportunity to share my work in spaces like this museum and have these conversations about intention and intention in the work that uh, that forces me to look back at at what I'm doing. And and this platform that I have where people care about my work and question kind of, you know, why I'm doing this, what I'm saying with it, Um, because there was a large part of my life where I had this kind of survivor's guilt of just like, why am I able to make a living making this work? Mm-hmm. Right. When I know how hard I've been to Iran, I've been to Syria. I know how difficult mm-hmm. it is for where this art form started mm-hmm. to be able to make mm-hmm. any sort of money in it due to things like sanctions and, and so much more that is for part two of this conversation. But when I first came back from like that trip, I was like, I was so jaded. I was like so inspired, but so jaded. Cause I was just like, like what, like why, you know what I'm saying? But then to be able to have this, opportunity to Mm. shed so much light on this and not do anything with it is so much worse than Mm -hmm. anything else. So Mm -hmm. to be able to do the work that I make and then have I'll have kids like from all over the world who are studying like Islamic art or studying carpet design in a university and they'll come to me and be like, I was so bored taking this class and I saw your work and it made me excited about it. To have that kind of full circle moment is so rewarding Mm -hmm. and just trying to to educate people as much as possible from all walks of of life on that is is so important to me, and yeah, I, I know I tangent from, from no, the that original line, but beautiful. I think it's important.
0: <laughs> Hi there, I want to share with you a good deed opportunity. At ICU Foundation, we work to alleviate local homelessness and directly serve community members in need. We do this through our community pantry, family food bags, hygiene kits, snack bags, winter care packages, and grocery gift cards. Lately, we've been seeing incredible impact by partnering with businesses and organizations to host volunteer events where their teams make and distribute the ICU care bags. ICU is our response to a community member who, when we asked what she needed most, responded with, we just need to be seen. So if you would like to join us in seeing and serving the community, email us at contact at isyfoundation.org. OK, back to the show. I mean, also, I just want to say how profound I mean, it's interesting because that was the the back to back with the color blindness to the worst critic, but how profound it is that you remind all of us that the way that we observe people's art is never the way that the artist perceives it. Yeah. And you you said that and you explained that in such a literal sense and so I know that you're your worst critic, but I also think that like your I mean, your work is phenomenal. It's inspiring and moving to us and that there's a reason. I, I, I understand the survivor's guilt that that always goes through my mind. But there's a reason that we're here and we're able to continue the stories and continue the traditions and um, amplify them. So thank you so much for sharing that. And Franklin, what, let's uh, get to yeah, know you. That was
1: incredible. <laughs> you and George Clinton. <laughs> yeah. The first time
2: me and George Clinton were ever in the same in the same. But I'm, I'm glad that's a, it's a wonderful yeah. context of you.
1: He's a uh, legend. <laughs> who's also a painter.
2: Oh, I, I'm not
1: familiar with his with his yeah. paintings. But yeah. Definitely with his work. Wow. Um, Very oh cool. gosh. So the question.
0: If you really knew me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let me preface that by <laughs> yes, saying, go for it. You are so good at what you do because. <laughs> You almost got me to say anything, but <laughs> I was just really like, no, I'll
0: leave it. I'll leave it at, I
1: would leave it at that. Just respect and admiration for you both. Thank you so much. Um, if you really knew me, you'd know that I would leave any art event or conversation and go see a football match at any moment.
0: Are we talking about American football? No. Okay. Soccer. Yes. Yes, seen. It was soccer. <laughs> He's like a huge soccer at fan.
1: any moment, <laughs> <laughs> and I have so many examples, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but wait, so who's your team? My. Name. Well, depend. Okay, if it we're depends doing. Depends on like, what we're talking about. England okay. is Tottenham. La Sorry. Liga.
2: What are we, Spain, what are we doing? La
1: Liga, I'm less inclined, but I'd have okay, to say Barcelona. Are, okay, so Barcelona,
2: okay. You can't see my keys, but there's a Barcelona. Oh, yeah. Barca, yeah. yeah we might you. have had to pull the show if you said Real Madrid. I'm that's kidding. a really yeah.
0: good, if you really knew you, me. I'm, with you, I'm yeah, with
2: you, Yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah. a
0: really great one. Well, it's perfect. It's a perfect transition because um, Yassine, my beautiful 12-year-old <laughs> brother, actually has the final question of this interview. And because you were so generous to share about Color blindness, I actually think it would be beautiful if Yassine, Do you want to get on the mic and ask the really amazing question that you shared earlier? Yeah. <laughs> I think for you two, it's a very, very important question. Awesome. So go for it, Yasino. What's your favorite color?
2: Oof. <laughs> right. It goes through phases. Um, right now, I like a mint green. Ooh. I like a mint green. I
0: love a mint green.
2: Do you approve of that? It's all right. It's all right, it's all right, it's all right.
0: Do you have a reason why or is it just no, a No, it's just thing? like I,
2: I, it feels calming. I don't know. It's just kind of where I'm at in life. I kind of like that color. I love it for you. Um, thank you. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't love it for me no. as much, but it's okay. <laughs>
0: it's okay. Like, next, He's next actually more interested in talking you. about soccer with you oh, guys okay, or okay, American okay. football. He just learned why soccer is called soccer and not American football yesterday at dinner. Oh, so Amazing. Okay. Franklin, favorite color
1: favorite color is blue i just feel like there are just too many variations <laughs> that i relate to and it's just such a broad spectrum and it has so much metaphorical power so that's why
2: i was gonna say blue but i, I was like i'll give it to frank <laughs> <laughs> thank so you know.
0: Thank you both so much for your time thank you for your service and thank you for your heart this was beautiful thank you for waiting
1: thank to you. thank you
0: Podcast Node is an at-your-service production. Producers include myself, Adam Hafif, and Sara Issa. Editing by Nuran Morsi. Theme music is the song Thunderdome, Welcome to America, by Portugal the Man. Extra gratitude and thanks to our storytellers, Franklin Sermons and Jason Safe. Be sure to check out Coming to Fruition at the Perez Art Museum in Miami. As always, at your service.